بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد we discussing booklet the four actions to acquire the friendship of allah taala hazrat maulana shah hakimud akhtar sahab rahmatullah alayhi and as we discussed yesterday that this is what he presented as his 80 years of experience that a person acquires these four things in his life and inshallah the other things become very easy the first two aspects that were discussed first was the aspect of the beard and the second about keeping the pants and garments above the ankles these first two aspects alhamdulillah very much easy for person who has had some time in a deen environment or grew up in a deen environment has been in a madrasa for example other whatever deeni activities that he managed to become part of so these things generally become very easy over time for some it becomes a challenge but once a person undertakes it it's very simple doesn't even give a second thought thereafter so that becomes very very easy to undertake but now comes the third and the fourth aspect this is the thing that we need to now really focus on and hazrat rahmatullah ali used to keep saying that this is the prescription of wilayat in this zamana all these four actions but especially this third and fourth person brings this under control then this is the prescription of wilayat in this zamana so the third action is protecting the gaze protecting the gaze obviously the details will come that this refers to any haram glance so protecting the gaze this is the very important aspect for this acquisition of this wilayat <clears throat> so it says in this time and age there is a great neglect in this regard many people do not even regard the casting of lustful glances as a sin whereas allah taala has given the command of protecting the gaze in the quran sharif sometimes this becomes unfortunately the situation many people there are certain things which become so common that a second thought is not given to it let alone giving a second thought that this is not to be done the con- the concept of it being wrong of being a sin also comes out of the hearts and minds many years ago i recall this was in the school days so there was some award ceremony or something whatever so now many stu- muslim students also had received some award so whatever some award ce- uh, function there was so all were being called up to the stage one after the other to receive their awards some certificate whatever it might have been and the person who was invited as the guest of honor was some muslim person of the community or oh, he was perhaps one of the people of the staff or something so he was the guest of honor for that function and he was invited to come along with his wife 
Now, the time for the awards came, so they asked the lady to be presenting the awards. So, as it happens now, somebody will call out the name so and so, so he'll come up to the stage to receive the award. So, now this lady will present the award to him. So, each one that's coming, so she's shaking hands with them, presenting the award. So, in any case, this came and went. So, now after this entire thing was over, now this became a discussion among the students that somebody raised this, that we all went and shook hands with this woman, but was this right? So, when the person who raised the question raised it, so the others, several, meaning from those who had come or who had been in good dini background, some doing hives of the Quran Sharif. But what's wrong with this? So the concept that this is wrong in the hadith, Nabi Salaam says that it is better that a steel nail be driven into the head of a person rather than he touch somebody that is haram for him touch a non-mahram woman, it is better for him that a steel nail be driven into his head. Now this is to express the severity of this sin, that how severe this sin is. But even the concept that this is wrong was not even in the mind, that it became a shock for some, that really is this wrong? So this is just one example, how many things there are in society that become common practice in homes, Sometimes the aspect of parda, maintaining the segregation between the males and females, and especially within the home situation between brother-in-laws, sister-in-laws, sometimes when a person is spoken to about this, so he's in amazement. Really, is this necessary? Is this something that has to be done? How do you maintain this? Now, the concept also has come out of the heart. This is a very, very serious situation. One is that a sin is regarded as a sin that is bad enough that a person then, despite knowing it's a sin, is still indulging in that, involving himself in that. But worse than that is, a person is doing that wrong and not even regarding it as a sin anymore. That comes very close to the borders of Iman now. So here again Hazrat is talking about the same thing, that many people do not even regard the casting of lustful glances as a sin, whereas Allah Ta'ala has given the command of protecting the gaze in the Qur'an Sharif. This is, all, Alhamdulillah, all the Mashayikh, all the Akabir have always been bringing this up in their talks, etc. But this is really the barakat of Hazrat Mawashahakim of Dakhtar Sahib Rahmatullah that this became common knowledge. It was always there, but it was in just confined circles. Illa mashallah. But after his coming to South Africa, wherever he went in the world, this was his primary topic. And sometimes he would say also that some people object that has this mullah got in Urdu, in, in India and in Pakistan, the Ulama are referred to as mullahs in a little bit of a sort of derogatory way. It was a title in India, but in a little bit of a derogatory way. So, I used to just use that, 
See, some people object that this mullah got nothing else to talk about. He says, yes, when there is a widespread uh, plague, it was the breakout of Ebola, for example, in some countries. So he says now when there's in every other house, a person is suffering from a plague, then somebody now wants to set up a shop to, set, to dispense flu medication. So that flu, somebody who's got a flu, he'll go and find his medication somewhere. But the urgent thing is to dispense this widely, that which is the medication for the plague. So he used to refer to this malady of casting haram glances as a plague, which was a reality and is a reality. So he says, this is the plague. So while the plague is burning like wildfire, am I expected to now be dispensing flu medication? That's why I'm dispensing this. And as long as this fire keeps burning, this is what I have to dispense. So not that he would not discuss anything else, but this was his primary topic. And this became the means of this consciousness at least developing, and many people's lives changing, turning around, after having realized how deep and severe this problem is, and how destructive it is. So this says that, many people do not even regard the casting of lustful glances as a sin, Whereas Allah Ta'ala has given the command of protecting the gaze in the Qur'an Sharif. Allah Ta'ala says, قُلْ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ يَغُضُّوا مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِمْ Say, O Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, to the believers that they should lower their gazes. This refers to not looking at non-mahram women. Likewise, they should not gaze at beardless youth. In fact, even if a youngster's beard has grown to some extent, but one still finds the heart someone somewhat inclined towards him, then to look at him is haram. The crux of the matter is that any such face which one derives haram pleasure from, gazing at, it is haram to look at such a face. The protection of the gaze is such an important aspect that Allah Ta'ala has separately commanded the woman to also guard their gazes. Allah Ta'ala says, min the Quran Sharif, the Quran Sharif addresses everybody in one gender. In the Arabic language, there's a distinction between the male gender and the female gender. In English, everybody will be say will be addressed as you. That's it. So now, whether that you is referring to a male, female, all are included. But in Arabic, there's a different way of addressing the male and different way of addressing the female. Anta will be you, and anti will be for a female. Anta will be for a male. So likewise, the verb form, when it is being addressed to a male, it's different. Being addressed to a female is different. But the Quran Sharif addresses everybody in one gender. Throughout the Quran Sharif, the male gender is used and the females are included in it. Because the Quran Sharif is for everybody. But when it comes to the aspect of guarding the gaze, so Allah Ta'ala speaks to the males separately. Say to the believing men to lower their gazes. Immediately thereafter in the next ayat, Allah Ta'ala separately addresses the woman. Whereas the whole Quran Sharif addresses everybody in one gender. In one ayat everybody is included. But come this command and few other ayats where the women are specifically then addressed. So that somebody doesn't get the wrong impression that this perhaps 
pertains only to one gender, only the males, not the females. So Allah Ta'ala separately addresses them, and say to the believing woman that they should lower their gazes. This aspect is unlike the commands of Salah, fasting and other injunctions, wherein the women have not been given an independent command. Rather, the males have been addressed and women have been included in these commands on the basis of being subservient to men. In the narration of Bukhari Sharif, it is reported that Rasulullah said, Zina al-Aini an-Nadhar Zina al-Aini an-Nadhar Casting lustful glances is the fornication of the eyes. Casting lustful glances is the fornication of the eyes. So a person who is involved in casting lustful glances, at that time he is involved in the very heinous crime of zina. Now this is something taken for granted, but the fact that this is being referred to as zina is a very, very serious thing. Just on this note, something just apart from this, but all these things are for us to take note of. This is a common thing. Nowadays, as time goes, more and more we want to emulate the ways of the kuffar. For example, now there's a wedding. So now that whole wedding Almost everything in that wedding now goes in the direction of how the kuffar have everything. So there are certain things which are very much, this is now not exactly the topic that we are discussing, but nevertheless, <coughs> this is complete emulation of not just the kuffar in general, but the Christians in their church. Now for example, the, when a, somebody is getting married now, so somebody will walk the bride down the aisle, so-called aisle. Now what is this? This is the church aisle that the bride walks down the aisle of the church to where the, whoever the priest or minister, whoever is standing there and whichever spot that is, that is the point that the couple will then go to and this marriage will be solemnized after whatever prayers and so on are done. Now the same thing has been emulated. Then, so now this is a whole church thing. Now, nikah is supposed to be something that should draw all the barakat. Because now this is a whole new life. And this life has to go in a way that becomes a means of peace and happiness and barakat for everyone. So all the barakat and blessings that we can, we have to try and draw down. It starts off on a note of emulating a Christian wedding in a church. Now what kind of barakat are we going to draw down? Then the other point which brought this to mind, that many a times, and somebody will discuss also, that well, I was told to walk the bride down. Who are you to the bride? He says, no, well, I'm her cousin. So he's the cousin. So he walked the bride down the aisle. So how you walk the bride? Well, I held her hand and took her down the aisle. So to touch somebody, as we mentioned earlier, the hadith, when Nabi Salaam says that to touch a woman that is haram, it is better for you that a steel nail be driven in your head. That's one part. Then just as this 
hadith is mentioned here zina al-ayn an-nazar the zina of the eyes is to cast haram glances likewise in one hadith it is mentioned was zina al-yadi al-batsh the zina of the hand is to touch what is haram now this person she is going stepping towards her nikah committing zina this is what the tantamounts to because this person is haram for is holding her hand and taking her through so that nikah is starting off on the note of number 1 emulating a church wedding and starting off on the note of zina so where is the barakat going to come then so these are things which then become so common unfortunately that the concept of it being haram also goes out of the minds and hearts and people attend that function people make all these things happen plan all these things and it doesn't cross anybody's mind that what is going on where is this all leading to what barakat will this bring in this marriage or will it destroy all the barakat so these are things that we need to be very conscious about become conscious ourselves make our families conscious about it that these are things totally impermissible and we should not be part of it at all in the narration of bukhari sharif it is reported that rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam said zina al-ayni an-nazar casting lustful glances is the fornication of the eyes one who casts lustful glances and is indulging in fornication cannot even dream of becoming a wali of allah taala unless he sincerely repents from this evil because wilayat and being involved in these kind of major sins these two things can't go hand in hand yes a person sincerely repents makes toba allah taala will forgive him then the doorway is open to him in another narration rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is reported to have said la'an allahu an-nazira wal manzura ilayhi may the curse of allah taala be upon the one who casts lustful glances as well as the one the woman who emerges in such a manner that lustful glances are cast at her in this hadith rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam cursed both the person who casts lustful glances as well as the one who is gazed at due to not adopting the hijab those who fear the curse of the awliya and pious people should fear the curse of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam any times sometimes a person is involved in something wrong he's involved in some wrong relationship so the person is advised look this is haram so stop this he says no well i wanted to break this off but then she threatened me she'll curse me shaitan has such ajeeb ways of trying to keep a person in his trap so he is worried about this haram curse which can have no effect but the curse of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is not worried about so the thing is that these haram things this can be of no effect threaten that you abandon this relationship i'll never forgive you you worry about allah taala's forgiveness and allah taala's forgiveness will come when that haram is abandoned so this is all shaitan's tricks and traps we need to be above all this 
So in this hadith, Rasulullah has cursed both the person who casts lustful glances as well as the one who is gazed at due to not adopting the hijab. Those who fear the curse of the awliya and pious people should fear the curse of Rasulullah since piety is acquired in becoming true slaves of Rasulullah Therefore, if an accidental gaze falls upon a beautiful face, turn the gaze away immediately. Do not allow the gaze to remain on the face even for one moment. Many people become very, very concerned or sometimes become frustrated to a point that a person feels that this is something impossible for me to act upon because as soon as my gaze falls somewhere accidentally also my heart gets inclined. So now the thing is that this is a mix-up of the issues. What is impermissible is that if there has been an accidental gaze or deliberately to then continue looking at the person. That is now a person is involved in sin. And that is going to destroy the heart. The other thing is, Allah Ta'ala has created insan in a way that there is this natural inclination to the opposite gender. This is the reality. And because this is the reality, this is why Allah Ta'ala has given us this command that keep your gaze low. This is why Allah Ta'ala has given this natural quality of haya in a person. It's a different thing that somebody has destroyed this haya. Which unfortunately nowadays, because of the environment, the media and everything, by the time a child grows up, he's barely coming of age, he's already, his haya is almost completely destroyed. Or that girl's haya is already completely destroyed. Illa mashallah, where that case taken to be protected from all these different situations and the media and whatever else goes on. So now when the haya is lost, otherwise it is a natural thing. That a person would want to keep himself safe despite the natural inclination. These are two separate things. Allah Ta'ala has created insan in this way. And that is the reason why Allah Ta'ala has ordered the segregation of the genders. As mentioned earlier, that this too is sometimes a concept that has come out of the hearts and minds that this is even necessary. That this is something, a part of deen. Allah Ta'ala has ordered this segregation because Allah Ta'ala has created insan. Allah Ta'ala knows what is insan. And what is his makeup? What are his inclinations? So the complete segregation, the sahaba kiram are being commanded, they are being addressed. That Quran Sharif is speaking. The Sahaba Ikram, they are primarily being addressed. About what? That if they had to ask of some need, some need, necessity, they had to ask something of who? Of the Azwaj Mutaharat. Azwaj Mutaharat, there could be nobody that will ever walk on the face of this earth, in this Ummad, that can come close to their rank also. They were the women of this ummah who had the highest rank. 
whose chastity and purity the Quran Sharif has endorsed. And they are the Ummahatul Mu'mineen. They are the mothers of the believers. But in any case, because there isn't blood relations between them and the rest of the Ummah, apart from their own immediate families, so Allah Ta'ala is saying to the Sahaba Ikram that if you have to ask of some need from the Azwaja Mutahharad, the wives of Rasulullah, then how will you do this? You will do so from behind this veil, behind this curtain, this barrier. The segregation will be maintained even in this situation. Now, somebody might say, well, this was something applying to that age. That was the camel age. Now we are in the rocket age. So now in this time, how can the same thing apply? So Allah Ta'ala answered that to us from before. So that somebody comes in the rocket age, he doesn't get left with this question in his mind. Allah Ta'ala is addressing the most pure people on earth. Not that there was any doubt or even the slightest inkling of anything that there could have been any thing that would have passed through any sahabi's mind also. But to set a standard, Allah Ta'ala says to them, ذَلِكُمْ أَطْهَرُ لِقُلُوبِكُمْ وَقُلُوبِهِنْ That this segregation is purer for your hearts and their hearts. Now who is being addressed is the thing to keep in mind. The sahaba kiram who Allah Ta'ala revealed their certificate of acceptance in the Qur'an Sharif. Radiyallahu anhum an. And regarding whom? The azwaj mutahharat. Nobody can come close to their purity and chastity. But Allah Ta'ala is setting a standard. Then you want to remain pure, then you have to maintain the segregation. Allah Ta'ala is saying to them to give us the lesson. That if anybody thinks that we are in the rocket age, then the thing to think about is that can we ever imagine ourselves to be anywhere close to the purity of the Sahaba Ikram? Even one fraction. Allah Ta'ala is saying to them, keep the segregation is purer for your hearts. So can anybody claim my heart is purer than this? I don't need this. My heart is something very clean. Person who makes such a claim, he's lying through and through. Because in the light of this ayat, he cannot come anywhere close to the purity of the Sahaba Ikram. Allah Ta'ala is saying to them that this is purer for your hearts and their hearts. Can a person in this zamana and time claim my heart remains clean? My heart doesn't get affected. I am immune to all this. Person who makes such a claim, that claim itself will be renounced by any person who is living. If somebody is dead, then what, nothing can be said about that. If a person is still living, he's insan, then nobody will accept this claim. So this is what Allah Ta'ala is giving this command and this is the issue. What we are talking about actually is that that natural inclination is not something that a person is accountable for. What he is accountable for is to allow the gaze to continue. Now in turning the gaze away there might be some struggle from within. He might be feeling that his heart will break, but he breaks his heart for Allah Ta'ala. If it breaks, it breaks. He'll break for Allah Ta'ala. But when this heart breaks for Allah Ta'ala, 
Allah Ta'ala mends this broken heart which broke for him. Allah Ta'ala mends it with the sweetness of Iman. This heart that was broken for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. This heart now, the broken heart is mended with the sweetness of Iman. So this is something that is not to be worried about that this heart of mine will break. Yes, to allow it to break for Allah Ta'ala is a very great thing. One poet says in Urdu that bacha bacha ke narak ke ye aina hai wo aina. Shikasta ho to aziz tar hai nigah aina saaz mein. In Urdu poetry and even in Arabic the heart is often referred to as a mirror. Because of its delicate nature. Mura is very delicate. Just bump it slightly, it'll crack, break. The heart is also very sensitive, very delicate. One, sometimes just a little inappropriate word from somebody and a person now gets broken hearted. Whereas we should strengthen ourselves to be above this. We should strengthen ourselves to be beyond these little things. That every Anybody can slip up, we can slip up, we sometimes make some statement, we make some comment by mistake. So that's wrong, it doesn't justify it. Somebody else has made a comment, it doesn't justify that also. But we need to build our self beyond those things, that every little thing niggles us. And now, things will carry on. So one thing is now irritating, then the second thing, then the third thing, then the fifth thing. And then some way it becomes such a pain that a person now explodes. But always small, small, trivial things. All now became a big thing. But if a person lives above that, then it comes and it goes. He doesn't sit with that. That's life. He'll carry on. We can attend to it in one situation, rectify the one situation. Alhamdulillah. But how long? What is the easier thing to do is, whatever has to be addressed will be addressed, but to build ourselves beyond that also. Then life becomes easy to live. Our own lives become easy to live. Our own lives become peaceful. When we live beyond and above all these little trivial things. Allah's Nabi Wasallam, the mushrikeen to hurt him would compose insulting poetry. Abu Lahab's wife was also one of these people. She would composed insulting poetry because poetry was a thing that was a it was the currency of the day people were on the height of literacy of that nature eloquence and so on though they were illiterate but poetry was at its peak so they would naturally say things in poetic form so she used to say these things in an insulting manner and in that process the Mubarak name of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. She would distort the Mubarak name also, and she would change the name. But that was also now just to cause more hurt. So some of this would come to the ear of Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam as well. Now it's obvious who is referred to, who she is referring to. Everybody was aware of that. But when Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam would hear it he would then comment and say that subhanallah that 
Look at how Allah Ta'ala has turned the insults of the Quraysh away from me. That my name is Muhammad. And she is insulting somebody by the name of Muzammam, who is somebody else. That's not me. That's somebody else. That's not me. And he would just say this and dismiss it. So she is insulting somebody. Whoever she is insulting, that person whose name is Muzammam, is somebody else. My name is Muhammad. Now the reference is obvious, but this was a lesson that these things are to be just discarded and dismissed. We don't take it to heart. We don't give any attention to these things. What consequences will this bring if we ignore it? Will it cause us to lose anything? Will we lose some money? Will we lose our maybe health? No, we'll lose our health by taking it to heart. Person ignores it, he won't lose any health also. He won't lose any sleep. He won't lose anything. He'll gain a lot. He'll gain peace. But a person who keeps taking this to heart will lose his sleep. He'll lose his health also because now he'll be keep, this will play in his mind and keep tormenting him. And as a result, he'll become anxious and then become depressed. So all this, the easy thing is that a person lives above all these things. It's, just, it's human nature will get affected for a moment or two. Insan. But as soon as that little effect has come to now positively turn the mind that what can this harm me? Does this really matter to me? Is it really something that I should worry about? Is somebody else's ill conduct, somebody's poor character, am I going to make that the reason for my torment? If somebody doesn't have the right character, should I allow that to become the means and the reason to hurt me, to torment me, to lose my sleep, to affect my health? This is foolishness. So to talk to oneself in that manner and to totally dismiss it. One poet says in Arabic that وَلَقَدْ أَمُرُّ عَلَى اللَّئِيمِ يَسُبُّنِي فَمَضَيْتُ ثَمَّةَ قُلْتُ لَا يَعْنِينِي Says I passed by this despicable person who keeps hurling abuse at me, vulgarities at me. So I just pass by and saying that he's talking to somebody else. I don't know who he's talking to. I pass by saying, He's not referring to me because he's not taking my name. So he's not referring to me. And if he's taking my name also, probably somebody else by the same name. So this is the prescription for a person who wants peace in his life because these things will carry on in life. We can silence one person, there'll be another two people who start the same thing. Silence those two, there'll be another four. So the simple thing is, we make our hearts, like they say, bulletproof, insult-proof. We make our hearts insult-proof. So it'll bounce off. Because those insults can't do any damage to us, except if we allow it to settle in the heart. If you allow that insult to get into the heart, then it's going to harm. If you let it bounce off and go away, for that moment it's going to bounce, so there'll be some little bit of maybe feeling. But then once you've positively turned the mind, inshallah that is the end of it. Occasionally it might just pass through the mind, again the same positive thought be brought, and khalas, end of the story. In any case, that was something we digressed on, but something very important for us to keep in mind. 
So coming back to the topic that we are discussing, that it is clearly understood from the verses of the Quran Sharif and the Ahadith that one who casts lustful glances has been given the following three evil titles. Number one, disobedient to Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Number two, fornicator of the eyes. Number three, accursed. This is the crux of the verses of the Quran Sharif and the Ahadith. Because the Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala commands that lower the gaze. Now a person who is not doing this, so this is so to say the title that he is taking for himself. The title that he is disobedient of Allah Ta'ala. Imagine somebody addresses us directly, oh you who is disobedient to Allah Ta'ala. That will be a very major thing to be called in that, by that title. But in the record of the angels, that is what is getting recorded. This is a person, oh somebody is called the fornicator of the eyes, somebody is called accursed. So these become the titles of one who is involved in this sin. If one is addressed with any of these titles, one will be extremely hurt and displeased. Thus, if one wishes to remain safe from these titles, it is necessary to guard the gaze. Some people object and say, what have we done? In other words, what wrong did we do? We did not take anything or do anything to anybody. All we have done is cast a glance. These Malvis needlessly frighten us. Hazrat then says, nay, the Malvis are not frightening you. Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul are prohibiting you. The Malvis do not make any law of deen. They merely explain the laws of deen. The verses of the Quran Sharif and the Ahadith presented above, are these the sayings of any Malvi? Furthermore, I say to such people who claim that we have taken nothing and done nothing, but only cast a glance, that if your casting a glance is such an insignificant act, then why are you casting glances? Simply forsake casting lustful glances? Thus it is obvious that they are taking something and doing something when casting glances. What they are taking and doing is actually deriving haram pleasure, which they import into their hearts. As a result, their hearts become ruined. When one casts lustful glances, one becomes distanced away from Allah Ta'ala to such an extent that in no other sin one is distanced away so far. As it says that when one casts lustful glances, one becomes distanced away from Allah Ta'ala to such an extent that in no other sin one is distanced away so far. The Qibla of the heart completely changes. The Qibla of the heart, like when we stand in Salah, our Qibla is the Kaaba Sharif. The Qibla of the heart is Allah Ta'ala. The Qibla of our physical self is the Kaaba Sharif. And the Qibla of our heart is towards Allah Ta'ala. The heart that was directed towards Allah Ta'ala turns 180 degrees away towards the person who had glanced at. Towards the person one had glanced at. Because now the whole focus has been turned away from Allah Ta'ala towards this person. It is as if the heart has turned around completely to face the object of the lustful glance and has turned its back to Allah Ta'ala. Hence whether the person is performing salah, reciting the Quran Sharif or anything else, that face, that beautiful face is in front of him. When in solitude also, the mind is still engrossed in the same beauty. This is something which many people 
due to having involved themselves in these kind of things, then this becomes the problem. The person then wants to know how to overcome that, let alone just in any other posture of salah, even in sajda. Even in sajda, the same haram that he looked at is now in his, at that particular moment in his mind. As if he's making sajda on that filth. Now this is how serious this whole situation becomes. There are ways to, then person has to undertake whatever mujahadas are prescribed for that to rid oneself of all this filth and evil. But the lesson in this is that how dangerous this is. It comes in the hadith that a person is closest to Allah Ta'ala in the posture of sajda. And here in this posture of sajda, this person is the most distanced from Allah Ta'ala. Because of whatever is now in his mind. Now instead of the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, the remembrance of that beautiful person is in the heart. The heart is not subjected to such destruction by means of any other sin. For instance, a person has missed his salah, or he has spoken a lie, or he has harmed somebody, his heart will turn away from Allah Ta'ala by 45 degrees. This is as a parable. However, he will repent and seek the forgiveness of those he has harmed, and his heart will once again be directed towards Allah Ta'ala. On the contrary, the sin of casting glances is such that a person becomes completely unmindful of Allah Ta'ala. And the love of the person he has gazed at settles in his heart. As a result, some people even lost their iman at the time of death. One person was being, talqeen was being given to him. He was being prompted to recite the kalima. It was his last moment on his deathbed. So in response to this talqeen, he said some couplets which the crux of it was that what is more important to me than what you are saying is the sight of my beloved referring to the haram that he was involved in and saying this he left this dunya this is a moth of kufr that he's saying more beloved than that kalima is this so this is the end result, such a terrible end result that came to this person due to this son. Allah Ta'ala declares in a hadith Qudsi. Hadith Qudsi is the direct inspiration from Allah Ta'ala, which Nabi Salaam then quotes from Allah Ta'ala. That inna nazara sahmum min sihami iblisa masmoom man tarakaha makhafati abdaltu biha abdaltuhu imanan yadidu halawatahu fi qalbihi. Allah Ta'ala says, Verily the evil glance is a poisonous arrow from the arrows of shaitan. It's a poisonous arrow from the arrows of shaitan. The one who will forsake casting an evil glance out of my fear. I will give him in return such iman, the sweetness of which he will taste in his heart. So this lustful glance in this hadith has been referred to as a poisonous arrow of shaitan. Imagine a person sipping poison. So now he's sipping poison, what's going to be the result? One sip, two sips, five sips. By the time he takes a few more sips, he'll already start doing his harm. Now that is the harm that will still go via the stomach. And this poisonous arrow of shaitan pierces straight through into the heart itself. 
Now one poisonous arrow, then the second, then the third. Now this poison is going to now start doing its job in the heart. What's going to left, be left of that heart? Poison is going to totally destroy the heart spiritually. So in other words, he will physically acquire the sweetness of Iman. What is mentioned here is that the person who will forsake this haram glance for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, out of his fear, Allah Ta'ala says, he will find, I'll give him such Iman which he will experience the sweetness of it in his heart. What this means is, he will physically acquire the sweetness of Iman, which will be present in his heart. This is not some world of fantasy or imagination. It is the revelation of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala has not instructed us to merely imagine that the sweetness of Iman has entered the heart. Rather, he has declared the word Yajidu, which means that you will physically experience the taste of Iman and find it present in your heart. Dear friends, practice on this prescription of abstaining from lustful glances and see the effects for yourself. The heart will experience such sweetness of Iman that it is, as a result of the value that as a result, the value for kingdoms of the seven continents will perish from one's heart. Allama Abu Qasim Qushayri rahimahullah writes in Risala Qushayriya that by the injunction of guarding the gaze, Allah Ta'ala has taken away the pleasure of the eyes, but in return, he has granted the non-perishable sweetness of Iman. Allama Qushayri rahimahullah says that by the injunction of guarding the gaze, Allah Ta'ala has taken away the pleasure of the eyes, but in return, he has granted the non-perishable sweetness of Iman. Mullah Ali Qari Rahmatullahi writes, وَقَدْ وَرَدَ أَنَّ حَلَاوَةَ الْإِيمَانِ إِذَا دَخَلَتْ قَلْبًا لَا تَخْرُجُ مِنْهُ أَبَدًا It has been narrated that once the sweetness of Iman enters the heart, it never leaves it. The sweetness of Iman will never leave the heart. Mullah Ali Qari Rahmatullahi further comments upon the statement, and he says, فَفِيهِ إِشَارَةٌ إِلَىٰ بَشَارَةِ حُسْنِ الْخَاتِمَةِ That in this is the indication towards the glad tidings of death upon Iman. So now each time a person is breaking his heart to save himself from any haram glance, that heart is being mended by the sweetness of Iman. And when this truly settles in the heart, this is the glad tidings that inshallah this person's death will come on Iman. The reason for this is obvious since when Iman will never leave the heart after having entered, death will also come upon Iman. Thus protecting the gaze is a guarantee for death upon Iman. Friends, nowadays, this great wealth of gaining death on Iman is being distributed in the bazaars, at airports and stations. Being distributed meaning that unfortunately this immorality and this shamelessness is all over the place. So, this has become an added situation where a person can keep gaining because he has to be there, not that he should deliberately put himself in such situations. It's not something to deliberately go to these places without need. But out of need, a person will have to go to these places. He has to go to buy his necessities. He has to travel. So when he has to, out of necessity, go to these places, this must become an opportunity now to gain the sweetness of Iman by conducting himself in the correct way, by looking after his gaze. In these places, protect the gaze and gather the treasure of the sweetness of Iman. Hence, acquire the guarantee of death upon Iman. Therefore, I say that if in these times there is an excess of nudity and shamelessness, 
is also an abundance of the sweetness of Iman. Protect the gaze and partake of the halwa, the sweetmeats of Iman. So this was the third action and this is the thing that we need to focus on very, very seriously. This is the mujahada of the time. Previously, people used to undergo major mujahadas. Like last night we discussed what kind of mujahada people went to overcome their pride, overcome their anger, overcome their arrogance, overcome all the maladies from within. People would spend years in the company of the Ahlullah and Mashaykh to overcome all these maladies. That is still something to be worked on, but this is the shortcut to wilayat. Not that other things are insignificant, shouldn't be given any con concern, you have to work on everything. But the shortcut to wilayat in this time and age is this aspect of looking after the gaze. Because this will now develop the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala all the time, constantly, and in a very intense manner. When that happens, the person will become conscious about Allah Ta'ala and everything. This will start crushing that nafs also. But obviously, a person has any other particular problems, he has to rectify that. He has to take treatment for it. But this is the shortcut to wilayat. This third aspect and the fourth aspect that follows, the fourth action, protecting the heart. Inshallah, we'll continue with this. Allah Ta'ala give us all tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Subhanallah bihamdihi, subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiru ta'ala.